I want to know, is there any truth that time or resource constraints force people to actually just put in the work? I think they're guaranteed you will have a period of absurd effort to get to any place that you're building something great. Hustle culture can be, not is, but can be a form of escapism. Welcome to Creator Debates, where we have stupid arguments to help creators make smart decisions. My name is Justin Moore. I'm the founder of Creator Wizard. I'm your host and your referee. Today, we're talking about hustle culture versus life design. You've seen the tweet threads. You've seen the Gary V TikToks. Why are you sleeping? You don't need sleep. You got to grind it out. You got to start a side hustle. You got to buy and sell baseball cards you find at garage sales. You got to start a podcast. Oh, oh, wait. So I get the idea behind hustle culture. And honestly, I'm kind of a workaholic. My wife, April, and I have been full-time creators for many years. So work-life balance has always been a challenge. And I feel the pressure, right, to pump out content on the social platform hamster wheel, right? I see the amazing stuff that other creators are putting out there and I feel FOMO. But should I? I'm a decade plus into this creator thing. And lately I've been kind of thinking that, you know, maybe I need to design my life a little more intentionally, right? Protect my time, protect my calendar, be more present. Because if I don't, I feel like I'm gonna burn out at some point. But there's always that itch, right? That tension to do more. So I recently saw this tweet that said the following. I am a fan of hustle culture. The truth is most people should be doing way more. Worst case, you go too hard and have short-term burnout, but at least you found your limits. Best case, that short period of volume and intensity completely changes your life's trajectory. Win-win. So I knew I had to get the author of said tweet on here to talk about this. Dickie Bush is an absolutely prolific creator. He's helped over 5,600 people start writing at Ship 30 for 30. He's a former BlackRock trader turned digital builder and dude just knows how to get that sweet tweet engagement. But to properly have this debate about hustle culture, I had to ask my friend Kay He to be here as well. Kay helps people transform their relationships with time, work, and money and has been called Oprah for millennials by CNN. He also teaches the class Supercharge Your Productivity to help you design a system for doing $10,000 an hour work. So by the end of this episode, you'll know whether there are benefits to hustle culture during certain chapters of your life, when it's the right time to just chill the F out and design your life more intentionally, and honestly, the only thing I care about, who is a better creator debater, Dickie or Kay? So let's get into opening arguments. So Dickie, you have the floor first. What does hustle, hustle culture actually mean to you? And give us some examples of how it's helped you grow your business. You have two minutes. Boom, let's kick it off. So I think there was a little bit of engagement bait, like you said, on the sweet tweet engagement with calling out hustle culture because I knew that was going to ruffle some feathers. But I think it's, it's actually a perfect full circle moment for me to be debating Kay on this because how I met Kay was actually I was working at BlackRock full time at the time and hustle culturing in the morning and evening, writing, doing all my kind of side businesses. And I met Kay at a meetup he was hosting that was all about kind of the Rad Reads 10K an hour, design your life with intentionality and things like that. So my take on hustle culture is that to get to where Kay is, where he can have this awesome perspective of designing your life, surfing every single morning, spending time with your family, there will be a time of volume and intensity to get there and if you think that you can get to, I think you have to earn the right to 
had that kind of lifestyle design. So my take on hustle culture is it served its role for me. I was working in the morning, working in the evening, and it allowed me to eventually leave that job where now Kay and I are both former BlackRock guys. And I don't think I would have gotten there without uh, a little bit of Gary V hustle culture in my life. Mm, interesting. All right, Kay, it's your turn. Tell us why you believe it's more important to design your life intentionally and whether you think hustle culture can be toxic. So um, first, honor to be here. Have either of you ever used spray on hair? No, can't say I have. No, okay. Um, I'm, re- I'm, really excited. I'm really excited for the story. For <laughs> so I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, and I had a stretch of 36 weddings in two years. It's that, you know, you know that phase of life, Justin. And in one of those, before one of those weddings, a chunk of my hair, not my bald spot, which I won't show you guys, but a chunk of my hair fell out. And I was a groomsman. So we're like frantically looking for a way to fix the chunk. And so you can, my wife's like, you know, you could spray on hair. And it's like this, like, it's like hair in a spray. So we spray it on the hair, but you can't touch it. You can't sweat because then it gets all over your white tuxedo, like the white shirt under your tuxedo. So I say that because I'm 43 years old now. I'm pre-hypertension, pre-diabetic. I have ground through all of the enamels of my teeth. My dentist is like, yo, what the F is going on here? And I have used spray on hair. So I hustled hard for a decade, 12 years, and I got to the place where I am today. But when you turn 40s, you start to pay the price for hustling. And so what I want to encourage everyone to, I, I'm, I believe in working hard. I believe in working intelligently. I also believe that if you go too far, it's not short-term burnout only. These are consequences. Like I have to look at a donut and be like, dude, I can't eat you anymore (laughs) because of some of the decisions that I made with my health in my 20s and early 30s. Interesting. So it's it's almost it seems like a little bit of an age related thing that like you have the benefit of your youth when you don't have obligations, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have a, you know, a family, kids, all this stuff. So so I want to get into that. But like for, for round one, let's get into it. OK, which let's talk all about business and money. I think because when we when you think about hustle culture, a lot of it has to do with making money, right? It's like, oh, I want to get that car. You want to get that house. You want to travel, all this stuff. I want to go with you, Dickie, first. Do you feel it's possible to grow a profitable business without busting your butt and like burning the candle at, at both ends, uh, at least for a time period? At least for a time period, no. You have to, it. I think they're guaranteed you will have a period of absurd effort to get to any place that you're building something great. And because I think the most, for the most part, to unlock the ability to build something great, you have to have some level of either foundation built, or if you're going to be doing it as a side hustle, you're going to be have to work in the morning, in the evening. So my take there is anything great will have a period of long intensity. So I look at what Kay's done, right? Maybe you spent 10 years working as hard as you did. And looking back, that could have been four or five if you had known what you know now. But I don't think you would have ever gotten to a place like this because you look at your colleagues who are still kind of on the rat race or in the hamster wheel of that and still burning the candle at both ends, but they might have not, they might not have gone as hard as you did during your time there. They kind of malaised on and now they're almost stuck where you had the ability to break free and then probably apply some of those things you've learned uh, to your own business. 
how so for for your own program ship 30 for 30 dicky like like i'm imagining like you know kind of doing the uh moonlighting and having a full-time job while you were getting all that off the ground and everything like i got to imagine that that was pretty brutal were there any points during that where you were just like i don't know if this is for me like this this just seems too intense it wasn't brutal because i really enjoyed what i was doing but i mean i was up at 4 30 a.m building that till 7 30 and working from after dinner until I fell asleep every day all of 2021. Now, granted, I was working remotely at the time, so it's a lot easier to switch right from my what I was doing for BlackRock to what I was building, but there was never a time where I was overly tired or doing anything like that because I think I was always working on something that I knew had long-term benefits and I enjoyed the entire process. So what I think hustle culture can be a negative is if it encourages you to work on something that you're not enjoying just for the sake of hustling. Right. Mm. If it's you're working for a job that one, you don't have any upside in like that's definitely where I think hustle culture is wrong. The idea of putting in an absurd number of hours, an uncomfortable number of hours for someone else, unless there is full incentive alignment where you know that for every extra hour you work, you're unlocking some kind of exponential benefit. Mm. But it, uh, a salaried worker who has no upside potential, that is how you burn out if you're working uh if you, if you go the hustle culture route. But when you have something that you have complete ownership of that you can take to the next level, it makes sense that every additional hour is probably gonna yield something good. Interesting. Kay, floor is yours. What are your, what are your thoughts on just specifically business and money? Uh, Dickie brought up something interesting here, which is that, okay, maybe there is a difference between, you know, when you're working for yourself and you're building something, you're building equity in your own thing versus slaving for someone else and, you know, like making, you know, a, a extra base points on their bottom line or something like, is that, is there a difference there? Like, what is your perspective on like, can, can you, can you just calm down, still have a nice life for yourself? You don't need to do any of this even at the outset. So I, I like to think, I mean, we're entering the world cup on Sunday. I, so I look at Messi, right. And I learned from Messi because Messi is strategically lazy. If you look at a chart of how much walking he does, he walks more than anyone on the pitch and no one's going to debate his output. And so I think that there's the question to look at with hustle culture is what is the marginal value of the next hour worked? So we work 30 hour work weeks at Rad Reads. And so in my mind, the calculation is that what you can get from the 30 to 40, let's say, or 60 or whatever is not worth the trade-off in the long term, right? And again, that long game might be 10 years, right? Uh, and so I'm always thinking about like, what's the next dollar worth? What's the next hour worth? And where can I be strategically lazy, right? Mr. Beast once said, a video that gets a million views and a video that gets 100 million views doesn't take 100 times more work to produce. So if you can find those levers, that's where you look. But to be fair, look, as a business owner, I work, you know, it's hard to know how much I work. You could say I work for every waking minute because I'm always thinking about my business. I'm always thinking about my employees. I'm always on call if there's an emergency. Mm. So there is that cost. But like time at the desk for me is probably like 35 hours a week. I don't work on Fridays. Um, but again, it's also what you're chasing. And I think we're going to get to that. It's like, I'm not trying, like, if I were to compare my revenue with other course creators, like, we make less revenue. So, and that is a, a design decision mm. because it aligns with the life that we, me, and our employees want to live. And, and again, there are trade-offs. Like, we would much rather be able to have uh, dinner with our families 
without even having to think about what's on your Slack than to make an extra 20%. So again, there's it's not a criticism to the other side, but is it a choice uh, that, that we've made? You know, it's fascinating is uh, I made a similar decision like you just uh, like alluded to is like, you know, the last cohort of my course, I was looking at the trajectory and I was thinking like, man, if I get 100, you know, creators in my next cohort, I am going to go nuts. I can't do it. I'm going to get super stressed out. And so I literally made a decision to cap it, increase the investment and cap it. And um, it felt very scary making that decision, because as you mentioned, like there, there felt like there was a lot of great momentum behind it and like, you know, the, the hockey stick growth and all this stuff that everyone always like dreams of. But at the same time, I was going crazy. Right. And so it was like um, it, it's it's not an easy decision. It's not this is not binary. Sometimes it's like very difficult to know what the right decision is. Are you going to stunt your growth? Are you going to totally screw up a good thing? Um, so I, I really identify with that. Um, so. Well done, gentlemen. That is the end of round one. Okay. So moving on to round two, let's talk about creativity. Okay. Kay, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, If you slow down, if you design your life and your schedule more intentionally, does that mean that you think that you will actually generate more interesting and impactful work? Oh, hell yes. Uh, and so I've gone out of my way to carve out meeting, cut out meetings. We don't email internally. We barely have Slack. It's all about preserving mind space. Uh, because one of the personal mantras that I live by is follow the fun. Because if I follow the fun, the creativity ensues, the money that we need uh, ensues. And so I'm always, always looking to follow the fun. If it lights me up, I'm going to do more of it. If it feels like a chore, I'm going to do Uh, less of it. I think one of the best examples was with our launch sequences for our course. We have these two avatars, Tim and Tina. And so there is the hard way, right? The grind way where I studied like 50 different launch sequences and I deconstructed them into formulas and I tried to reconstruct them into a Franken monster of launch emails and so on. And I was like, this sucks. (laughs) This is not me. I, I don't even know if this is good. And it's, and I don't know if it's effective. Then I'm like, you know what? I've always loved, there's this old copywriting story of the tale of two men that juxtaposes the paths of two people. It's like, I've always loved this story and I've just been sitting on it for like two or three years. When can I use this story? And I finally found it with $10 Tim and 10K Tina, two of our avatars going head to head with the way they live their lives. And it is the most, I like, I'm a shit uh, eating, sorry for the cursing, uh, (laughs) grin when I am writing these emails. They're like 2000 words each. And people will accidentally hit unsubscribe on the email sequence. And they're like, I'm so sorry I unsubscribed from your sales sequence. Can you please put me back on it? And even alums where we opt them out. And so I just like, when I follow the fun, creativity ensues. And I'm playing the long game, man. I'm 43. I want to do a version of this at 63. I want to do a version of this at 73. Because... It doesn't feel like a a job, as Dickie said earlier, like this lights me up. And so that's why I'm focused on protecting my energy, protecting my health, protecting the relationships that I have with my kids so that I don't wake up and like have resentment towards this job. Okay. Oh, wow. Look at that. Right at the buzzer. I mean, interesting, Kay, because um, I think that, uh, so actually I want to pull in Dickie here because about creativity, because I want to know, is there any truth that time or resource constraints force people to actually just put in the work, right? They get those repetitions in so that you can create something awesome eventually. 
thoughts on that two minutes? So I'll drive this home with an example. Justin, tell me a joke. Oh my God. Knock, knock. Okay. So you, I don't know if you've heard this before. So most people, when you tell them to come up with a joke, their head goes, uh oh. And, and, Ooh, and you see Justin, it in their eyes. I mean, the, right? the guy is like made for this. And I, then, I don't know. So I always follow up with, tell me a knock knock joke. And immediately, everyone, a, a knock knock joke comes to mind when technically mm. there are fewer knock knock jokes than there are regular jokes. Mm. And that I use to drive home the idea that constraints breed creativity, which is mm. why in Ship 30 we have the atomic essay. It's 250 words. We say write it in 45 minutes or less because if we say sit down and write every day, People go, well, how long? Where do I publish? What do I write about? How long does it have to be? You know, am I, what note-taking app do I use? All these useless questions that don't actually move the needle versus if you very simply put create or constraints on whatever it is you're building, it's much easier. And so to me, you can do that with time where it's I only write or create for these two hours. And for me, that works. It doesn't work for everyone, but having something on my schedule where I know I got to crank something out during this time, it turns the rest of my day into thinking about that creative block, right? I know that's upcoming. And if I go sit down and write and I have a blank page of ideas, that's going to be a miserable writing process. But if instead I'm always capturing, kind of throwing ideas at a wall, writing them on my phone, whatever, I know I sit down and I have that block time. I have that block constraint and the creativity kind of takes care of itself. It's interesting because I've heard authors, like actual novelists talk about this phenomenon too, where it's like, you know, the, the lay person thinks that like, oh, they just get these, you know, uh, random bouts of creativity and they sit down and they just, you know, write out beautiful prose. And like, you know, that's like that's how they get these amazing novels. But a lot of them have talked about that. It's just that it becomes a like you talk about. It's a writing habit. Right. Where it's just every morning, even if it's shit, they go and they just get it out on the page and they can edit it later and all this stuff, too. So I I do think there is something to that. I, I must say you guys kind of started gravitating towards like a similar response here. So I'm not sure how much I like that. But <laughs> um, and I do. Okay, I do want to give you a second to respond here. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by ConvertKit and its 30-day Grow Your Audience Challenge. At ConvertKit, their mission is to help creators like you earn a living online. And one of the many tools that can help you get started is a landing page. They're a fast, simple, and beautiful way to start building your email list. Throughout the 30 days, ConvertKit will give you the tools you need to create a new landing page and grow your audience, access to a community to help keep you accountable, and on-demand workshops to teach you list-building tips to answer all your questions. I personally use ConvertKit for my newsletter and grew it from zero to over 10,000 subscribers in a little over two years. I can vouch for how easy it is to use, how awesome their support and customer service are, and they're just amazing advocates of creators. So check out the Grow Your Audience Challenge at convertk.it slash G-Y-A or click the link below in the episode description. That's convertk.it slash G-Y-A. Kay, I want to give you 30 second response here because it seems like maybe you agree a little bit. So I, I love uh, I love constraints. And uh, the reason why that Oprah for millennials moniker came up was because I had a really crappy Snapchat account with maybe 75 followers. But I loved the constraint of Snapchat in the early days. You could draw with your finger, maybe a sticker or two, and you had to talk. That's it. And so I started using Snapchat because it forced me, like a knock-knock joke, to put these ideas in this tiny frame with very little levers. And from that, showing up on Snapchat, 
some reporter said like, oh, this is a millennial thing doing Snapchat, you know, guru work. Uh, let's call Kay the Oprah for millennials. Right, right. Interesting, interesting. All right, guys, that is the end of round two. Congratulations. Let's get into round three, okay? And what I think is actually the heart of this debate, happiness, right? Candidly, I, I struggle with this, right? Because, you know, so much of my identity uh, is tied to my professional, especially quantitative accomplishments, right? Whether it's how much money I made in a course launch or, you know, how many newsletter subscribers I have, you know, I got this month or whatever. Um, but, I mean, to be fair, right? Both of you guys run very successful businesses, right? And so, Dickie, I want to go to you first. Uh, what are your thoughts on hustle culture as it relates to happiness? Like, is it a forcing function for people to just kind of figure out what path they should be on in their lives? Two minutes. That's exactly right. I think what hustle culture does is help live by a mantra I use, which is action creates information. Where, to be honest, if you'd have told me three years ago, if you tell me today what truly makes me happy, I don't think I have the perfect answer. But I'm kind of on that path to figuring out. I'm exploring different things. I'm trying different things. I'm writing. I'm making videos. And you, what I know is if you look at the opposite is what is not going to lead to happiness. And for me, doing nothing surely is going to lead to a lack of happiness, right? So I kind of take the opposite and say, I'm going to do a lot of different things. I'm going to generate a lot of data. I'm going to listen to myself. I'm going to listen to the market of what I'm creating. And I know that's going to lead to fulfillment. And for me, that's how I'll achieve happiness through fulfillment, not do anything external. But am I waking up, living a value aligned life, working on something that's meaningful to me? And I'm, you know, I'm 26 K 43. I think you have a little bit more experience on what actually leads to happiness in the long run. So I, I'm hoping you can give me some guidance on this, but no, I'm, I'm definitely in the figuring it out phase. But for me, I know that I'll figure it out faster if I bring more of that volume and intensity and um, throw the, the tweet engagement of, of liking hustle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> your turn. Happiness. Help me, help me be happy, bro. Like what, oh, what, what do man. I, what do I need to do from your perspective? Let us go. Let us turn to our friend, the philosopher Blaise Pascal, who said all of mankind's problems come from the inability to spend 15 minutes in a room by themselves. So I think of that quote and I think of how it relates to hustle culture is that hustle culture can be not is, but can be a form of escapism, just like alcohol, just like weed, just like video games, just like pornography, the list goes on and on and on. And there's something to be to be wary about because I experienced it. I call it the when then trap. It's when I have 30,000 followers, then I'll be happy. When I hit six figures, seven figures, whatever, then I'll be happy. I have written down for the past decade these statements. When I hit X, I'll be happy. Guess what? When that moment comes, little blip in happiness, <laughs> like little like 2% gain. But the, the standing baseline of happiness doesn't fundamentally change. And like alcohol, you need more just to get the same high. Mm. So when I found that, when I mean, look, this has been discovered over decades and I'm still working through it. The question is, what are the unmet desires that are not being fulfilled in my life? A, a capacity for love, a capacity for respect, a capacity to feel peace, Right. Those are the questions that hustle culture can lead you to that, to the answer to those questions. But oftentimes it's a number that, that, that steers you away from those questions. And the, that's where the true self-awareness comes in. It's so funny, dude. Like my wife and I have these conversations where it's like, you know, we have made, you know, 
more and more money over the last you know, de- like decade of being creators and doing this full time and everything. It's like our money has like steadily gone up, but our marginal happiness has literally not changed. Like we just are just happy. We like go out to eat and we go travel if we want. And it's not like we're like leading a very ostentatious lifestyle, but it's just like we're just generally happy. And I think it's like a, it's you're right. It's, it can be a kind of a big trap sometimes for creators because it's like there's the, always that next mile. So, oh, when I get to that, when I get the car, when I get the followers or I get verified, although you can buy verification for eight dollars a month now. But right when you get this next thing, um, yeah, man, I, I, I t- that totally resonates with me. All right, so y'all, that is the end of round three, and it is time for both of you to make your final appeal. Okay, on the other end of your camera, on the other on the other end of your microphone, is a creator who is relying on you to make this tough decision. Okay, convince them why hustle culture or life design will help them take that next step along their creator journey. Dickie, you have one minute. I think it's wherever you're at in life. If you're looking to generate a lot more information to figure out what path you wanna take, to me, doing more is going to help you solve that. And you're not gonna have that by doing less, in my opinion. I know that before I started Ship30, I was coding a Substack analytics app. And before that, I was creating a podcast curation compendium all while I was working full-time. Ship30 was not the first thing I started to do where I knew that was it. I ran through 10, 20, 30 other ideas that I could have done. And if I would have taken a, you know, I'll work on this when I have time and anything like that, I would not have had all of those different, you know, pieces of experience, skills built that eventually led to Ship 30. So in my opinion, you're going to get better at the things you do more of and the more intensity you bring to them. So why not hustle a little bit early on, figure out what you want to do, and then kind of look to unlock that ability for a lifestyle design. Love it. Kay, you're up. One minute. All right, my fellow creators, I have one question for you to consider as you go through all of this. Ready? What makes you come alive, right? Lean into that. Ask yourself. Don't run from that question. Don't seek the numbness of status, of likes, of engagement. If you cannot answer the question, what makes you come alive? Because you know what? All the success in the world, all the money in the world cannot buy one thing. Aliveness. Right? So if you lead with the aliveness, all the other pieces will fall into the place. Creativity will fall into place. Recruiting will fall into place. Your personal brand will fall into place. Your essays will fall into place. Your business model will fall into place. And it will all feel effortless. Well, there you have it. All right, Dickie, hit us with the call to action. Where can people learn more about Ship 30 for 30 and follow you on social media? I think we're heading into 2023. The best way to start is to start writing online. So you can learn about that at startwritingonline.com. You can download a free 13,000 word ultimate guide. We'll give you everything you need to get started. And if you want to join the January cohort to bring a little bit of volume intensity on the writing side in the new year, go through a sprint. You can go to ship30for30.com. Follow me on Twitter. I'll be tweeting all about it. And you can find out more information there. Here's why I love following you, Dickie. When I was kind of a nobody on the internet, honestly, you responded to one of my tweets and you, and you told me, Hey, you know what? I'd be happy to jam, you know, on community building or whatever. And you literally called my cell phone and we chatted for a while. And uh, honestly, I can't, I can't tell you how much that meant to me at the time. And so it's just been so inspiring seeing what you've built over the last few years. So thanks again, man. I appreciate that. And one of the, you know, I still remember that conversation too. So it it went a long way for me as well. Yeah, of course, dude. All right. Kay, uh, hit us with the CTA. Yes, uh, you can come find us at radreads.co. We launched the cohort-based course, Supercharger Productivity, where we connect the pursuit of productivity to 
life's larger questions. So our next cohort is in January, radreads.co. I'm most active on Twitter. If you just Google Twitter, Kehi, uh, that's where I'm at. And sounds like if you want to optimize for aliveness, that's the place to be, right? Yes. Um, what makes you come alive, friends? <laughs> why, uh, why I love following you, Kay, um, your you're writing always makes me think. Every time I finish one of your posts or your webinars, uh, I honestly have a new perspective. And I feel like you uh, really take the time to help people through challenging transitions in the, in their lives and in businesses. And so I, I greatly appreciate you as well. And you, dear creator, watching and or listening, who won this creator debate? Please let us know on social media by tagging at creator debates. Make sure to tag Dickie and tag K. And will you rate it in your favorite podcast player? That's the thing, right? And finally, shameless plug. If you want to get paid sponsorship opportunities with brands, make sure to sign up for my free weekly newsletter at creatorwizard.com slash join. All right, that's a wrap. Until next time.